Hey, welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome, welcome. Um, if you're a visitor here today, extra special welcome to you. So today we are finishing up in our series on the Great Commission. And so today we're looking at the final part, which is Jesus' promise to be with the disciples always to the end of the age. Uh, I might just read that passage again, the Great Commission, for one last time. So Matthew chapter 28 from verse 16, it will be there on the screen. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Amen. Now, in the very first week, oh, that feels like a lifetime ago, I got everyone to look at verse 17. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And you remember, what was unusual in that verse there? What's the unusual part there? You'd think that shouldn't be there. Some doubted. Yeah, you'd think, oh, crikey, it's like these are the disciples. They've seen Jesus risen, ruling and reigning. They're worshipping, but yet they're doubting. And in Matthew's gospel, the unusual way, unlike the other gospels, that Jesus proves his resurrection is through this this promise. I have authority on heaven and on earth. And this very last statement, I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's like a sandwich, a sandwich. And the meat of that is the promise to go and make disciples of all nations. And this is a huge claim. When Jesus says these words, I am with you always, that's what God is. God has that ability. The Jews wouldn't use the name God. Now we often just pray, dear Lord, dear God, dear Jesus. We're quite know, flippant about it in a way. Jews were really quite reverent. They wouldn't use the name God. And they would circumvent saying God's name unless they blaspheme it. With Jesus saying this, I am with you always. This is Jesus proving his divinity. Not only is he a man, he has all the authority. Like if we remember back to Daniel chapter 7 and Daniel sees a son of man. Jesus is God, the son of God. And he is with his disciples always to the very end of the age. Now... It was the title of the sermon, if anyone can remember it. What is a title that Matthew uses to describe God's eternal presence? What title does he use? All the way back in Matthew chapter 1. Anyone know? Emmanuel. Emmanuel. That's deliberate. Emmanuel at the beginning of Matthew's gospel. And here we find the fulfillment of Emmanuel at the end. This isn't merely just some title that Jesus has that, yeah, he's Emmanuel, God with us. He is literally Emmanuel. 
He is here with the disciples. He is here in this room. He is here wherever you go in life. That is the promise Jesus gives to us. That is the comfort. That is the hope. If you are doubting, if you are struggling, if you are wondering where God is, that reminder, Jesus is here with you. Emmanuel, God with us. As I always love to do in the next, oh, we've got 18 minutes this time. I was a bit quicker than normal. We're going to go through the Old Testament because the New Testament is built upon the Old. So let's read some scriptures of God's promises to his people. Joshua chapter 1 verse 5. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life as I was with Moses. So I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10. So do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And finally Haggai 1.13. And Haggai the Lord's messenger gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you declares the Lord. Now what's some of the background to these promises? What was Joshua about to do? Yeah, across the, about to cross the land. What was he going to engage in? Yeah, warfare. It's violent. And we won't go into that, but the point is these basically poorly armed Israelites are going up against heavily armoured giant Canaanites. What's the promise? Hey, I'm going to be with you. Don't worry. Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10. Who is Isaiah talking to? Does anyone know? Anyone know? He's talking to the exiles in Babylon. The people who've been deported, who've had their lives uprooted and they're just left wondering, who are we? Who are we as God's people? Here's a promise. Do not fear. I am with you. And then Haggai, I am with you. Does anyone know what that promise is in relation to? That was, that was for the, the post-exiles when they were rebuilding the temple. And so see, we have a cross all scripture, God's promises to his people, he will be with them. When they have to take on a task that's very difficult, when they have to take on a task that requires enormous amounts of faith that no human means is possible, God is Emmanuel. Well, let's actually have a look at the literal Emmanuel passage in Isaiah chapter 7. And I won't read the whole thing, but I have a bit of a map after... I get thrilled, but we'll just read the, from verse 13. It says, Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough for you to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. He'll be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the, the wrong and choose the right. Uh, Jeremy, you can flick to the next page. There's a nice little map there. I like maps. They make life a bit easier to understand. So in Isaiah's day, there's lots of fearful things going on. So Isaiah is talking to a king called Ahaz in Judah, down in the brown area. Now, Ahaz was a pretty wicked king. He wasn't a great guy. He was aligned. See Assyria up there? The yellow. So he was heavily aligned with them. He was relying on Assyria. They had this alliance, just like we have alliances in governments today. Now, Israel, King Pekah, made an alliance with a king called Rezin from Aram. Now, Israel and Aram, you know what they wanted to do? They wanted to invade Jerusalem, 
kick out Ahaz and put their own puppet king in place. And the context when Isaiah gives that prophecy about Emmanuel, Ahaz is there outside Jerusalem getting ready for this siege warfare. This alliance of Aram and Israel coming down to Jerusalem to attack. If you can guess siege warfare, imagine just having your city cut off, food runs out, water runs out. It's the most horrific thing to go through. People start, in the Bible describes it, people start eating their children. They get so desperately hungry. This is the context we're talking about. Ahaz is there doing what is humanly right. Let's prepare for warfare. And Isaiah comes along and says, hey, ask for a sign. Even though you are a super wicked king, Ahaz, even though you have no faith, God made a promise to your grandfather David that there will always be a king sitting on the throne of Jerusalem from the line of David. Ask for a sign. Ahaz is like, oh, no, 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 I don't want to do that. And Isaiah says, hey, guess what? You're going to get a sign. It's going to be the birth of a child who will be called Emmanuel. So there's a dual fulfillment of this. An actual child born in that crisis, in that fear of the unknown of living under siege warfare. And then what Matthew does, Matthew, when he reflects on this, says, well, hey, Isaiah gave this prophecy about Emmanuel being born from a virgin, a woman that wasn't, that had just been married and this was her first child. When he reflects upon the Jesus story, he goes, wait, we actually have a literal virgin. And she gave birth to Emmanuel. And so if Emmanuel was a sign, if we can flick two more slides, Jeremy. So if Emmanuel was a sign to the people in Judah, of God's presence, that the, the kings that Ahaz was so fearful of would be defeated before that child is old, not old enough to know right and wrong. So this is, we're talking like one or two? In a couple of years, these kings will be nothing. They'll be wiped away. We learn here from Isaiah 7, God uses crises to expose our faith. That's the point of it. And so Matthew is picking up on this language of Jesus saying, I am with you always, linking it back to that promise of Emmanuel. And then linking it back further. This is how the Bible writes. It's just so well written. Think about the disciples worshipping and doubting. You understand that? You understand what he's doing? There's all these little links and allusions here. And if you are fearful, if you are doubting who Jesus is, if you're fearful about this great mission he is calling you to, Think back to Scripture. Think to all those promises he gave to Joshua, from Isaiah to Haggai. God's presence is with his people in the midst of difficulties, and God's presence was demonstrated in Isaiah 7, and we see it more so with Jesus, who is literally Emmanuel, God with us. Um, obviously, with Rachel being home, Hi, Rachel. Lovely to see you. It's nice to not have you on camera. Um, I've been reflecting on how does one do discipleship when one is in hospital? How does one go out and share the love of Jesus when you're so stuck at home? Because easy when we get up here and we talk about salt, we talk about going to the Kimberleys, we talk about Galston, it's kind of easy. You just don't think that is Christian ministry. That is discipleship. And that is all part of it, running a church service. But last week I made a reference to an old Christian commentator called John Christofferson. 
And Christofferson noted at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount made reference to Jesus speaking to teach. And Christofferson noted that, hey, if it makes reference to Jesus teaching by speaking, therefore Jesus teaches by his, his existence, by his lifestyle. And that's what we are called to do. The, the promise of Emmanuel is Jesus being with us in the highs, in these moments of formal worship church services, and in the lows. In the challenges, perhaps it will be hospital, perhaps it will be depression, whatever it might be. We are called to continually build disciples in whatever situation we are in. In some ways, friends, it's a heck of a lot easier to stand up here and talk to you than to demonstrate the love of Jesus when I have a screaming newborn and a screaming three-year-old at three o'clock in the morning. I'll tell you that. It's a lot easier doing up here than that. But that's actually what we're called to do. That is where we need Emmanuel more than ever. And that reminder, Jesus is here with us. We are not alone. And do you know what I find interesting? I've never really thought about this. When Jesus says, I'm with you always to the very end of the age, there is this mystery here that somehow we, humans, me, this flesh and blood person who's a broken, sinful human being, it's actually part of this cosmic mission of Jesus. Jesus actually said, he goes, the gospel will be preached to the ends of the, to the, ends of the earth and then the end will come. So in this strange way, friends... We, by actually going out and making disciples of Jesus, we're helping to usher in Jesus' return. Now, I don't know how that works, but that's part of it. If Jesus is here with us to the end of the age, then let's go out and make disciples. That helps to usher in when Jesus returns. And all pain and all suffering ceases, where we can dwell with Emmanuel in perfect unity. Uh, there's a commentator called David Cup, and he's a very, very intelligent man, and he notes that Matthew ends his Gospels with dialogue, Jesus' words. Well, he recognises that when someone ends a, a narrative, a scripture in, in dialogue, it sort of makes the story open-ended. It's not like the end. What he's saying is, in, in, a, in a sense... Matthew is leaving his story open because we are the descendants of those 11 disciples. We are part of that story of those disciples who went to that mountain, who got that commissioning, who struggled with worshipping and doubting Jesus. At the same time too, we, we carry that legacy on with us. We, we, we continue to make disciples of all nations, where to baptise them, which we have the privilege of doing after the service. We teach them to obey Jesus' commands. And we're reminded in the highs and lows of life, Jesus is there with us, Emmanuel. I want to finish off with um, a quote. A quote from Henry Nguyen. And he was a Catholic priest who passed away um, several years ago. And one of his final books was called Adam, God's Beloved. It was a story of a man called Adam, a young man who was severely disabled and he couldn't speak and had to be cared for. And Nguyen, um, in many ways, he became Adam's carer. 
And he reflects upon Adam with these lovely words. He says, Adam, my friend, is the most vulnerable of all people I've ever known, and at the same time, the most powerful. Adam was chosen to witness God's love through his brokenness. He had few distractions, few attachments, and few ambitions to fill his inner space. Adam didn't accomplish much in his lifetime, but the truth is he's God's beloved son, not a client with disabilities and in need of care. You mean look beyond that. That was discipleship for him, caring for this man, Adam, for new and revealed the gospel more than any of the studies he'd undergone. undergone. Friends, that's with us. When we take on this disciple mindset, it's not just about Sunday morning, going on evangelistic campaigns, doing short-term missions. It's about walking with Emmanuel in the highs and lows of life. So friends, I have a challenge for all of us. Will you join Emmanuel today? Will you walk with him in the highs and the lows? And will you be part of that cosmic mission of Jesus to build disciples of all nations, to baptize them and to teach them? Friends, let me pray for us. Yeah, Lord, we just give you thanks that over the last four weeks we've had this just fantastic opportunity to unpack your final words to the disciples and just see the richness that you drew from Scripture and how, Lord, you are here with us right now, Emmanuel. And, Lord, I pray that as all of us have different stories and different life journeys and different stages of life that we're in, Lord, that's that call to make disciples it's still relevant. It doesn't matter if we're there in full-time ministry or if we're a retiree at home. Lord, that we be walking with Emmanuel, reflecting the love of Jesus, reflecting the teachings that you've given to us. Father, I pray that, that all of us can just embrace that mind, mindset to walk with Emmanuel and to be part of the calling, that cosmic calling that you have given us to help bring in the end of the age where we can live in the kingdom of God. I pray all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.